0: Hail, adventurer! Before you get started on your journey, I have a quest for you. If you find yourself learning anything or laughing at any of the jokes in this episode, then tell your friends about us. This noble adventure helps us here at our small village defeat the Dark Lord, only known as the Elk. As the ship grows, our village expands, and that allows us here to produce more and higher quality episodes for you to learn more about the dangers that lurk beyond the veil. It also allows us to give back to those that built us up in the form of future giveaways and cool events. Only the heroes that find the new podcasts can defeat the algorithm and bring justice to the Oddcast. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Obscure Dragons and Dungeons. I'm Corey, and this is Emily. Hi! And it has been a hot minute since I've rediscovered anything for the show, so today I have dredged up some more critters to fill your world with. I'm talking about beasts. I have a couple of more serious beasts for the episode, but I also have one that I think is uh, kind of funny. <laughs> oh? So without further ado, let's talk about some animals. But uh, speaking of animals, our cat is in Zoomy mode, so you might hear her in the background. So uh, this episode is gonna be pretty short and sweet. First up on the list is a very peculiar snake-like creature. The Jaculi are a species in that they look like snakes, climb trees like snakes, and even ambush like snakes, but they aren't technically snakes. They are their own independent species of reptile. These creatures look like snakes with mauve to dark purple scale scales, and arrow-shaped heads they also have a forward pointing uh horn setup going on some of the members of the species though have flat heads with razor-edged horns projecting as a ridge on either side kind of like mutton chops for a snake
1: uh (laughs) why why mutton chops
0: Uh, uh aerodynamic reasons we'll get into that jacouli can camouflage themselves similarly to chameleons and they are also remarkable climbers and swimmers these very aggressive serpents have the ability to cast a spell called Animal Trance to lure in prey before using their serpentine bodies to constrict the prey or its horns to pierce it. Did I mention that these are amazing climbing climbers and swimmers? Because uh, their muscular system is actually so strong that their preferred method of ambushing is to coil up and then launch themselves at you to a speed and velocity comparable to that of a javelin. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> That's why they have the horns kind of like a mutton shop for aerodynamics so that when they're flying at you, it stabilizes in the air. And, uh, you might have to be on the lookout for some flying snakes.
1: Like a, it like parkours off the tree at you?
0: Yeah. If you piss these snakes off, they'll just launch themselves down like an arrow.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> we got drop snakes now.
0: Uh, This mode of attack the jaculi adapted can uh, mostly be used to engage with prey or uh, to flee from a fight so they can just kind of keep doing it it's their speciality <laughs> huh. uh, these creatures like to live in warm climates with lots of trees but uh, in case you don't live in those areas you do have to be on the lookout for them in buildings with lots of pillars as well so like attics
1: it's anywhere that they can parkour parkour,
0: snake parkour Looking for a big cat that isn't the generic lion or tiger? Well, let me introduce you to the Krenshar. These carnivorous magic beasts can retract their skin from their own face to scare prey. What? They do this as a hunting tactic to drive prey closer to the pack as to surround it. It's a little spooky. More of a Halloween creature, if you will.
1: I was about to say it retracts skin from around its face. What, like a freaking demigorgon where its face splits?
0: Uh, no, it doesn't split anything, it just kind of scrunches back. (laughs) Crenshars have feline bodies with spotted and shaggy fur, though their fur rises to a spiky mane over its spine. The skin covering the Crenshaw's skull is actually just a sheath that the animal can pull back to reveal the underlying muscles and bone structure.
1: Ah, so it is like how I think it...
0: Kind of. You, could, you, you can say it.
1: Okay, it just sounds like foreskin.
0: There you go. For your uncircumcised folks back there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's, a, that's essentially what is happening here. The cat is pulling back its foreskin to scare people.
0: <laughs> yes, but uh, it's pretty terrifying because it doesn't reveal more skin. It just reveals everything underneath the skin. Cheetahs <laughs> otherwise act as other big cats roaming in small packs, living on plains or temperate biomes such as, you know, savannas or uh, forests or like tigers or lions might roam. Fun fact about them actually, um, if you uh, catch a Crenshaw cub early enough in life, you can actually train it to be more loyal than any dog.
1: Really? Yeah. Oh, because packed?
0: Because they're they're still a a big cat but they're more uh, susceptible to being trained than other big cats.
1: How big are we talking?
0: As big as a lion or a tiger. Like, really? Yeah. I was
1: envisioning house cat for some
0: reason. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> so if you're on a savannah and you encounter a pack of these things, uh, they, they tend to roam around the same sizes as other lions or tigers, up up to like 12 maybe, but staying closer on the small side. But if you see the, the pack... They might try to split off and surround you, and then the ones that are trying to herd you to the pack will unsheath their uh, face meat to uh, scare (laughs) you. This actually does have a magical uh, attachment to it as well. When they peel back that skin, uh, they are uh, using an effect similar to casting a fear spell. Um, So there is a, a magical element to this as well.
1: But well, that's that seems odd for it to be magical to pull back the skin.
0: <laughs> it's not magical when they do it, but it gives a magical effect. Well, it is a, a magical beast to begin with, so.
1: Is that all the magic it does, or? Yeah. <laughs> oh, It's
0: hard for it's hard to give magic to beasts without, like, you're walking a fine line when you give them magical abilities. Like the Jaculi have the ability uh, to like charm other animals for hunting, and these guys use their magical abilities to hunt as well. But it's like, once you give them more magical powers, like, the ability to cast Fireball or go invisible, now you're kind of leaning more towards Fae or,
1: or other
0: realm creatures. These, these creatures are still within the realm of, like, you're walking down your backyard, you might encounter these. Well, I say that, but uh, the last of the series beasts for the episode, and my personal favorite beast, is the Flail Snail. Which you're definitely not going to encounter in your backyard.
1: I think you've done this once, or at least I've seen it like once or twice. Oh,
0: I've I've run games with uh, flail snails in them. Yep. Yeah, they're awesome. I love them. Flail snails are earth-based creatures that resemble a very large snail with up to six tentacles with flails at the end in place of eye stalks. If that doesn't catch your eye, they also have a very colorful scintillating shell that exudes (laughs) anti-magic properties. For you snail fans out there, you should know that the shell can grow with the the snail and can grow in either clockwise or counterclockwise swirls. And Ooh, it's almost, kind of like a hermit crab style shell where they like swirl around like that. Uh, uh, a flail snail's slime trail is a type of material that can actually be harvested to make clear or opaque glass. What? Yeah, <laughs> these these guys are right on that line of magical beast and otherworldly creature.
1: just sounds like otherworldly creature.
0: (laughs) These wonderful creatures consume everything in their path by simply sliding over it, much like a slime. This brings the question, is a flail snail just a slime that's found a shell, like a hermit crab that's found a shell?
1: Maybe. Maybe. Mm. Kind of what it sounds like. Good
0: lore for you, if you want (laughs) to homebrew the flail snail. (laughs) Yeah. Their diet consists of anything from dirt to glass to metal to rock. But their favorite foods are crystal growths and mineral deposits, and they will try to savor these as best as they can.
1: So it's something that's more underground.
0: Yeah, you'll you'll definitely find these creatures dwelling more in caves or uh, dank, damp areas like deep in a swamp, maybe.
1: Or if maybe if somebody's like captured it and using it to farm glass or something.
0: People do that. Actually, um, if they manage to get their hands on a flail snail, they'll just- Because they're so passive creatures, they'll they'll just kind of farm them up high in a mountain where they can feed on crystal growths or mineral deposits as much as they please. We go Kind of like cows, you feed them better, they produce better. Ooh, the snail's metabolism actually renders it immune to poison, and its extremely thick slime that covers uh, its skin renders it immune to fire. Really? However, it is still technically a snail, so it does have the salt weakness.
1: I better not stumble upon some salt deposits Yeah, I think they <laughs> tend
0: to avoid those as best as they can, hopefully. I don't want to encounter just a random shell with the dried up snail inside of it around a salt deposit. That'd be sad. It'd
1: be very sad.
0: Uh, a flail snail's shell uh, emits an extremely bright, multicolored light that makes it really difficult for a creature to be physically targeted... And it can actually potentially stun enemies that were to try to attack it if you get close enough. It's that bright, like kind of staring at a sun bright.
1: So it's like, just leave me be, please. Yeah. I'm just here. Just let me eat my food in peace.
0: But here's the really cool part about the, the shell. If the snail is targeted by a spell attack, the shell can actually reflect the spell back at the caster or it can absorb the spell and release it in a magical burst of energy around it. What? Yeah. <laughs> Very powerful dope. defensive capabilities on this snail.
1: <laughs> like the ultimate defensive thing.
0: <laughs> the uh, the flail-like tentacles that the snail has for eye stalks have hardened skin that they use to easily crush anything that gets in their way.
1: So it goes by its name where it just has a bunch of yeah, a yeah, bunch, bunch of flails that
0: just kind of flails around wildly, trying to smack away whatever it does, which uh, is actually its only form of attack.
1: <laughs> it also sounds like a good way for it to like get to those mineral deposits. To Smash
0: smacking. open some rock and get the geodes inside. Yeah, yeah.
1: This this sounds really well rounded for a creature. It's
0: been around since second edition. Actually, <laughs> no, that's a lie. It's been around since first edition. It's been in 1st, 2nd, I think it skipped 3rd, may have come back in 4th, and then 5th edition.
1: Are you reading the 5th edition stuff for
0: it? Uh, No, I don't try. I try to stay partial when I when I read everything. And 4th uh, edition, I take the lore and the creature behavior that is lumped all through together through all the years. Oh, I see. It. And take all the similarities. Or at least I try.
1: Because now you got me interested on making a whole episode just on flail snails. <laughs> there
0: you go. I don't think flail snails really evolved too much from through the years. I think they're they've always been a super defensive, cool okay. shell, multi-headed flailed thing.
1: I'm just surprised it's not like downgraded like everything else that went through 5th edition.
0: Uh it is. It's it's gotten a lot weaker in fifth edition, I'll, I'll really? say that much. Yeah, it used to be really <laughs> strong and really uh, deadly of an encounter if you were to fight one, but now it's like CR3. Um, Oh, if these tentacles take enough damage, if you're such a heartless bastard to attack one of these, (laughs) uh, if these tentacles take enough damage, they actually begin to die off, almost like a hydra head, but they don't regrow twice up uh, like a hydra head. They just kind of die off and wither If any of you horrible monsters manage to kill off all the tentacles, the snail retracts into the shell and just lets out a wail of anguish until it either dies or its tentacles are restored through a regenerate spell.
1: What? What? Why would you hurt the poor bean? He just wants to eat.
0: If you uh, leave at least one of the tentacles alive uh, and you let the snail retreat and live off, it will actually regrow the old tentacles over the course of a few days. That's good. It's still
1: sad to hear it ever <laughs> Heartless pain. animals
0: that want to harvest these creatures, we'll get into why. If you find yourself on the morally bad side of this conversation, first, I hate you, but also, <laughs> you are coming out of this rich in components and sellable items. The shell alone is worth 5,000 gold and can be used to produce shields that retain the anti-magic properties. Wow. Yeah, you see, you see why. Yeah. Like, you, you want to harvest this get the shell and then you just get 5,000 gold and make an awesome shield out of it
1: well then hope for to find it next to a salt deposit and then you don't have to kill the four <laughs> <people>. <laughs> Uh
0: its shell could also be ground up and mixed into dye to uh, craft a robe of scintillating colors which I don't know too much about that but I know it's a pretty powerful uh, magical robe probably something to do with like the color spray spell Uh, The stomach and liver of the snail can be used to make elixirs of health with the added benefit of poison immunity, and its skin and mucus can be used to produce potions of fire resistance and potions of climbing.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, these things are very valuable creatures, but they're also extremely passive.
1: That's so sad. The poor dudes. I know,
0: and I love them. They're vicious, though, if you use them right because each flail that they have if uh, if you attack them, each flail can make an, uh, an attack
1: oh. so so if you
0: don't kill <laughs> off the flails you're taking up to six attacks
1: yeah, dang
0: and then it's robe preventing really the only good way to get a ca- about this creature is to put on a blindfold because you're already going to be blinded so why why risk the stunning from the brilliant light and shoot it with like ranged attacks you know, spells aren't going to do anything you get in the melee, you're going to get hit by the, all the flails so you got to shoot it with a bow
1: this is sad, because that's a slow death. <laughs>
0: this
1: is fucked up. It is. You
0: horrible monsters hunting these creatures. <laughs> Alright, so for the more joke-like creature... Oh, sorry, did you have, uh...
1: I just said that they're poachers.
0: Poachers, yeah. That's kind of what you have to be when you want to harvest them. Otherwise, uh... Farming them probably probably hard.
1: I feel like farming would be more beneficial, because then you're getting something out of it, and then eventually when it does die, then you...
0: Benefits. I actually couldn't find how long the snails lived, so as far as I'm aware, they're biologically immortal.
1: Oh, wow.
0: All right, so the last creature, the more jokey one. Are you ready? Yes. You're going to love it. The miniature giant space hamster is one of the many species <laughs> of giant space hamsters that can be found across the multiverse.
1: What? <laughs> Mini giant
0: space hamster? Miniature giant space hamster. <laughs> what? What? A miniature giant space hamster is just a giant hamster from space that has been miniaturized. Like all space hamsters, miniature giant space hamsters are not natural creatures and only come only come about when a gnome from their home planet of Kryn makes them. <laughs> space hamsters from space gnomes. These... Yeah, what
1: universe have I just entered?
0: Oh, this is all Forgotten Realms canon stuff.
1: Really? Yeah. This like uh, a line flares or... Technically
0: aliens. Uh oh, I don't think it's Forgotten Realms. I think this is part of the um Oh, what's the space uh there's a space adventure for fifth edition. Space thing, what's it called? Um uh spell spell something. Spelljammer. Spelljammer. spell, jammer.
1: spell, jammer. The spell jammer, okay. jammer setting.
0: These these spell, uh, these giant space hamsters are from. Because that's all about exploring planets and the gnomes from the planet of Crin in the space jamming setting are uh, biologically engineer these miniature giant space hamsters. Uh, these gnomes experiment on giant space hamsters by mixing enchanted substances or other creatures with the natural breeding process of giant space hamsters.
1: How, how big are giant space hamsters?
0: Giant space hamsters are probably about the size of uh, a Labrador or a Mastiff, like oh, they're about like, like big dog size, capybara size. Yeah, somewhere in between that range.
1: <laughs> because our capybaras like
0: caviaros I think are uh, the biggest rodent yeah Um, these would be probably bigger well not the miniature ones but the regular giant space hamsters would be the miniature giant space hamster is just one more of the unusual varieties Uh, fun fact these hamsters are actually very intelligent with the ability to speak but only in whispers
1: only in whispers
0: most of the time they only ever give off the hamster squeak Being a genetic experiment, miniature giant space hamsters do not actually fill any ecological niche, and are only usually ever found in exotic pet stores.
1: Aww, messed
0: up. To uh, end this segment, uh, there's a canonical restaurant in the Nine Hells that serves cooked miniature giant space <gasps> hamsters that are deep fried and seasoned with no! herbs and tears.
1: No! <laughs> this is ah, I hate this.
0: Oh, uh, one point of uh, note. The miniature giant space hamster is... Uh, we talked about how big the giant giant space hamsters were, about, like, capybara, a little bigger than capybaras. The okay. miniature versions are only ever as big as normal hamsters. Aww.
1: <laughs> that's even worse. They're so small and defenseless.
0: I thought you would like that one.
1: I love them, but it's depressing to hear.
0: Well, they're devils. In Nine Hells, they have a restaurant all about eating them. And they season them with tears. I
1: need to kill the Nine Hells now. Absolutely, get rid of it. <laughs> How will I ever <laughs> come back from this?
0: You won't. <laughs> ah. You can just think about the horrible Crenshaw with their foreskin faces. Uh. Or the Jaculi launching at you from rainforest treetops.
1: Oh my goodness. The Jaculi are, like, I think my favorite thing. <laughs> just because it's a parkour snake.
0: It's really hard to get a, a serpentine creature without making it a snake, and they, I think they found their niche making them javelin creatures. Yeah, like, wow.
1: <laughs> so I imagine like the cartoon snakes whenever they're just like launching themselves, right?
0: Yeah, almost kind of like that. Yeah, when they coil up and just kind of spring. That's, uh, that's all I got. Emily, you got any other questions or pointers on any of these?
1: Nope, other than the nine, now hells needs to die for what they've done.
0: Yeah, well, it's It's the Nine Hells. What are you going to do? They're devils. Down there doing devil stuff. Kill them all. (laughs) It's a good campaign setting. Just uh, (laughs) get a a one shot of of level 20 adventurers to take out this restaurant.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes, please. And with that, it's back to the dungeons.